You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. The New York Mets made a Dining, ladies and gentlemen. So we examine the free agent acquisition of Harrison, the master. Bader, as he has signed a one-year, $10.5 million contract. So we're recording this on Thursday night after a long day of work, after a full radio show, and after many hours for this deal to kind of marinate in my head. And as the day has gone on, I've been more and more bothered by it. I have to be honest with you. Uh, When the news first came out in the morning, I immediately texted Pete Hoffman because I know Pete's a big Harrison Bader fan. And I said, hey, we got your guy, Harrison Bader. And obviously Pete was pumped up. And my initial reaction was fine. Like we had talked about Bader in the past as a quality addition because Harrison Bader is without question a brilliant defensive center fielder. And I think one of the perks of him playing locally over the last two years is I don't need to waste anyone's time with defensive metrics. All the defensive metrics will tell you what I'm just about to tell you. My eyes told me over the last year and a half, getting the chance to watch him every single day. He is an utterly brilliant defensive center fielder. I I would not minimize that at all. And this move improves the Mets defense in the outfield immensely. So you can look up the metrics They're just going to back up what I've seen and what I think a lot of us have seen over the last year and a half. Because I've always argued, while I think defensive metrics had a value, the best defensive metric is your eyes. When you get to watch a guy every day, you just know. I know that sometimes in arguments, you like to have the stats to back you up. I think defense, a lot of it is just seeing it. And Bader's a brilliant defensive center fielder. So my first reaction in the morning was, hey, we got a lot better defensively. And as the day went on, and I said this on the air with Tiki right at 2 o'clock, and I stand by it, but you'll see why I evolved from it's a fine move to I'm worried. What I said to Tiki right around 2 o'clock is Harrison Bader is a fine fourth outfielder. Harrison Bader, if used correctly, is a really good addition to your baseball team. And that the signing of Harrison Bader is like a Bob Ross painting. Let me know what the final roster looks like, and I can tell you, hey, this was a great signing, or uh uh-oh, they're asking him to do way too much, and he's not that good, which I think is a very measured approach, but that's my feeling about Bader. That's why sometimes reacting to every signing is challenging because a signing is different based on the other moves you make. It's just the reality of it. But as the day went on, I started thinking. And one thing that really helps me, because this has been a really long offseason, so it's easy to forget who's on the roster, who's already there. So 
I'm thinking about this as I'm driving home, and I'm thinking about who's on the 40-man roster, and then I pull up a trusty document I have, I always use for the Rico, and I look at who the Mets have on their 40-man roster in the outfield. We know Starling Marte. We know Brandon Nimmo. We now know Harrison Bader, plus DJ Stewart, Tyrone Taylor, Cooper Hummel, who they picked up, and Alex Ramirez, who's a 20-year-old prospect. Don't worry about him. And I see that the New York Mets clearly have five outfielders that are on the Major League roster. Five. Starling Marte, barring starting the year on the IL, is on the Major League roster. Brandon Emmo, Major League roster. Obviously, Bader, DJ Stewart, and Tyrone Taylor, who they got in the Adrian Hauser trade. So as that marinates in your head, you know what that tells me? And it should tell all of you, they're done adding outfielders. That's it. And when you pay someone $10.5 million, I don't know if you're paying them to be a fourth outfielder. So as the day went on, again, no, nothing changed about how I view Bader as a player. I view Bader as a player the same way I viewed him when the Yankees acquired him a couple of years ago. And I said it on the air when they traded Jordan Montgomery for him. He's a fourth outfielder. He's a brilliant defensive center fielder who hits left-handed pitching but doesn't hit right-handed pitching. That is a guy who ideally comes into games late for defense, great, and ideally mostly just starts against left-handed pitching. That's who he is. And if you use him that way, great. And by the way, the Mets could use that because you know who the New York Mets really struggled against last year? Left-handed pitching. They had the 24th best OPS in the major leagues against lefties. That's not good. They had the 28th best batting average against lefties last year. That's not good. So Harrison Bader helps that. That's a positive. Like, he will help them hit left-handed pitching. And I I said it about the defense. And Nimmo's going to be better in left field. Utterly brilliant defensively. But based on the outfielders I just told you they have, because that's who they have, would you not come to the same conclusion that I am unfortunately coming to as the day went on? which is Harrison Bader was not signed to be a fourth outfielder. Harrison Bader is going to play every day. Now, as we go through this podcast, we're going to lay out where and the scenarios where he doesn't play every day and how that can change, barring the Mets making just more moves, which I don't know how many more they're making offensively. We're going to go through all that and all the different scenarios, but that's how I went from Hey, that's a good move. I like Harrison Bader, and I still do. I still like him as a player, but how I got late in the day to, uh uh-oh, I don't want him playing every day because he's not an everyday player. He doesn't stay healthy. See, this is the part where it's going to sound negative, but I laid out the positives already, and the positives are what they are. He's a brilliant defensive center fielder. He's a gold-glove caliber outfielder. He even makes you better in left because Brandon Nimmo's better in left, and he's really good against lefties. But since 2019, he's never played more than 128 games. Since 2021, he's played 103 games, and after that, he played 86 games, and last year he played 98 games. He misses time. So he doesn't stay healthy. He doesn't hit right-handed pitching, and Harrison Bader has proven over his seven-year major league career he is what he is, which is a valuable fourth outfielder. I'm afraid, Pete, the Mets signed him to be the everyday center fielder, and if that's the case, that's not good.
Well, I don't think he's going to be the everyday. I, I honestly don't think he's going to be the everyday center fielder. I still feel like Nimmo has value there. I do think that they're going to circulate and rotate everybody. He may get in 120 games, but 30 or 40 of those may be like late inning substitutions. So, I mean, that's always a possibility. Here's the upside about him that we ignore, though, okay? And I understand that his numbers versus lefties are much more prominent than the ones versus righties. But if you take his second half of the season going in 2021, before he got traded to the Yankees, he had an excellent second half with the Cardinals. He was healthy, and he was offensively productive, was one of the better hitters on the Cardinals. In 2022, when they went to the playoffs with the Yankees, he was one of the more explosive bats in the lineup. He had a great postseason. So he can, he has shown signs. He's still, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying he's going to be hitting 20, 30 home runs to the Mets, but I think there's, he has, he can unlock his bat when he's on fire. Now, just, just when, when will he do it? Hey, I, I listen, man. The guy's been in the major leagues for seven years. He is what he is. And, and look, in the right situation, the is what he is is fine and is a compliment. But if it's the scenario where he's playing every day in center field, I want to push back on this because you say, I don't think he's the everyday center fielder. And I'd love to be wrong because if I'm wrong, then I like the move. As I've explained, he's he's a fine fourth outfielder. He's just not an everyday player. And I don't think there's... I think you're stretching to try to prove he's an everyday player. He's not an everyday player. He's never proven in his major league career he's an everyday player. He had a great postseason in 2022, which I know Yankee fans loved, and that's where they said, see, Cashman was right. Montgomery for Bader, what a great deal. No, you may have been right for two weeks, but I think it was clear after that that it was not the right trade, and that was a mistake. And that's a great postseason, but what the heck does that mean? That does, it didn't exactly translate in a 2023 when he had a 643 OPS before the Yankees got rid of him. But here's my concern. Unless you're adding somebody, like if you're telling me, hey, they're going to add Jorge Soler or whatever other outfielder you want to come up with, if this is the current alignment, as of right now, because obviously the Mets have prospects, and I think these are the guys we're going to start to talk a lot about in April and May. Because we're going to start to really look at, hey, how's Drew Gilbert doing? Is Drew Gilbert ready? Because I think he's going to be one of the first guys we're going to be talking about, especially as an outfielder. We're going to be saying, hey, how's Drew Gilbert doing? Hey, how's Jet Williams doing? Because these are placeholders in the outfield right now. The New York Mets have placeholders all over the place. Even Starling Marte is a placeholder as they kind of let his contract run out. So, So let's walk through this right now. Brandon Nimmo is the one outfielder who, if he's healthy, will play every, every day. Every, every day. He's healthy. He'll play 160 games. Then you've got Starling Marte, who you hope can stay healthy. But Pete, even at health, he will sit once a week or twice a week, right? Is that fair to say? Uh, Very, very fair. Very fair to say. (laughs) And if he's injured, he misses time. Then you've got Harrison Bader. Then you've got DJ Stewart. Then you've got Tyrone Taylor. When you mix in the days that Marte doesn't play, how many, I mean, the Harrison Bader's going to play every single day. Like, I'm sorry. It, who, 
Is it going to be a Bader DJ Stewart platoon in the outfield with, cause like for the sake of this argument, let's just say Marte's playing five out of seven games. Cause look, most guys in baseball don't play every, every day. Brandon Nemo may be an exception. Obviously Lindor and Alonzo, they're almost exceptions to the rules. So let's go majority of the time. Will it turn into a DJ Stewart, Harrison Blader, Bader platoon? And by the way, if that's the case, are you good with that? Like, if I get what I want where Bader's a part-time player where he only faces lefties, that means the guy getting most of the playing time, unless you think it's Tyrone Taylor, which I don't, is DJ Stewart. You good with that? I, I mean, I'm not thrilled with that. I, I always thought DJ Stewart was a better fourth outfielder. But again, you're you're this is the uh, money ball metrics where you're t- taking two guys and basically combining them. You're taking two fourth outfielders and saying – here you go. Together, they'll make one. Yes. Yeah, because the Mets right now have three fourth outfielders on their team and two everyday outfielders. That's how we get to five. Uh, I've always talked about, well, but if you can get help at second base or depth in the infield, that could always push Jeff McNeil to the outfield. I've always talked about it. It doesn't feel like until young players come up, so until the Luis Angel Acuna's come up or Jet Williams comes up, and obviously with Ronnie Mauricio being out, which is such a big blow, it doesn't feel like the McNeil to the outfield is a thing. It feels as if those five guys I mentioned are going to get the at-bats in the outfield until young guys are ready. And what's so concerning about that is three of the five I mentioned are clear fourth outfielders in DJ Stewart, Tyrone Taylor, and Harrison Bader. And Starling Marte is a major injury question. And so, God forbid, Brandon Nimmo gets hurt. I mean, it's just the Mets needed to add outfielders this offseason. I remember we talked about that going into the offseason, and they've gone out and they've added three outfielders. Cooper Hummel, who we're not even talking about, but would probably be more of a, a depth piece if there are injuries. They added Tyrone Taylor in the Hauser trade, and they added uh, Harrison Bader. None of them are everyday players. Like not, They're just not. They're... They're fine part-time players. And, and I'm also concerned that Tyrone Taylor and Harrison Bader are sort of redundant. Like Tyrone Taylor's a really good defensive outfielder. I admit this with Tyrone Taylor. It's best to look at defensive metrics because I didn't get to see him play all the time in Milwaukee. None of us did. But you read them. You trust them. He's really good defensively. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like having multiple guys who are good defensively is a good thing. But it does feel like Tyrone Taylor and Harrison Bader are a tad bit redundant, if you will. Yeah, but, I, I mean, did you see the stat not too long ago? I, and I forgot who had it. And I'm, I can't even, I'm not going to even try to lie and make up the numbers. But basically, the Mets defensively, the past couple of years, or at least last year, they were atrocious. They were in the yes. bottom of the league for everything. Yeah. And what David Stearns builds in Milwaukee is it's like defense first. And that's what it looks like he's trying to do. So if that's the case, you're buying somebody. I understand that Harrison Bader – may be a lot of money for just a fourth outfielder. But if you're going to get one of the better defenders in the league, I mean, that, that's a great move. And if, Mets, you tell me that, if you're telling me Tyron Taylor, uh, Ty, whatever his name is. Ty, Ty, Tyron Taylor. Tyron Taylor is, is a defensive outfielder, and that's going to help this team moving forward, and the metrics are going to be in our favor, moving up in the rankings. I think it's smart moves. Well, the Mets got better defensively. I'm not denying that. I don't think there's any question. Like, 
when I describe what this outfield is, what this new look outfield is, assuming we all agree that they're done, that they're not adding another outfielder. Like, this is it. They've got five guys who, assuming they're healthy, are going to be in the major league outfield come the start of the season on the four, on the 26-man roster. Marte, Nimmo, Bader, Stewart, Taylor. If we agree that that's the grouping of players, then I will a 1,000% say, yes, they're much better defensively. That's a good thing. But are they good enough offensively? That's the follow-up to it. Like, okay. Like, I, I agree with you. I the, the first thing I say about Harrison Bader, who we can speak on more because we've seen him. If you watch the Yankees, look, I can't assume everybody listening to the Ricos watching the Yankees, but that's always the one benefit of when the Mets add a guy who played for the Yankees. Just that you've seen more of them in all likelihood. If you if you partake in watching Yankee games, I do because of the job we have. So I'm watching every single Yankee game. You get an idea what a player is watching them nine, ten times a year, but it's not the same as watching them all the time. Harrison Bader is one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. I put him up there with anybody. So, yeah, I completely agree with your point. They got a lot better defensively. David Stearns even said that at the beginning of the offseason. We got to be better defensively, run prevention, all that. A thousand percent, all true. Not denying that, not fighting that. But now we got to ask this question. Is this outfield offensively good enough? And how is Carlos Mendoza going to line him up? Because I'll tell you right now, and, and this, by the way, gets to DH, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, and how important it is that they add a real DH. If they add a real DH, I would D, I would platoon DJ Stewart and Harrison Bader. I would move further than I thought I would because last year when DJ was tearing it up in September and we talked about what did DJ earn, my point was he earned a spot on the major league roster. He earned the chance to be the fourth outfielder. I never would have said he earned the chance to be a platoon player in left field and basically start on opening day. But now I'm looking at what this outfield is, and I'm looking who's here, and if I'm being honest, yeah, DJ Stewart's got a chance to be the everyday left fielder or the most of the time left fielder. Because, yes, against the lefty, get Bader's ass in center field, improve the defense, he hits lefties, DJ goes to the bench. Or if DJ's hitting he finds his way into the outfield. Maybe Starling Marte sits that day or whatever. That's how I'd line it up right now. And what I'm telling you is that's not great. That, that That's what I'm saying. Like, that's how I would do it based on who's on the roster. But is that good? Now, here, here's the, the very, very important second line to that. While I think they're done adding an outfielder, they cannot be done adding a position player. They are not nearly good enough. And if you want to tell me it's only one bat, there's one more major league bat they're going to add. While I think that's still short, they got to at least do it. And whether it's J.D. Martinez or it's Justin Turner or it's Jorge Soler. So for the sake of this, and I'm not saying they're all the same player. They're not. They're actually all very different in a lot of ways. You know, Justin Turner is not hitting 30 home runs. Justin Turner is not. You don't think of him as a slugger, and they may not necessarily need that. If Francisco Alvarez is going to burst out this year, power-wise, the kind of hitter Justin Turner is, which is far different than Jorge Soler, who is a slugger, and far different than J.D. Martinez, Turner may be fine, but for the sake of this, let's say it's Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez. Some combination, one of them. We'll call him J.D. Turner. Or 
Justin Martinez. Which one do you want to call him? J.D. Turner or Justin Martinez? Uh, I, I like J.D. Turner. Okay. That guy is the DH. You put him over there and you say, dude, you're going to DH every single day. If you're Justin Turner, you'll occasionally find your way to third base, but you are our designated hitter. That means you are relying on Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos at third, and this Bader-DJ kind of combo to man center or left, depending on who's playing. And that's at least a little bit acceptable if you've got a DH that you are writing his name into the lineup every single day and you're feeling good about. Let me give you a specific example. Here's the lineup. Because you got to think about this. Instead of, I think what happens sometimes is you almost forget who's here, who's where. This is the lineup if they've added J.D. or Turner at D.H. And tell me if this is good enough, because this is still with the Mets adding a bat. Nimmo leads off in left or center. Lindor bats second at short. McNeil third at second base. Alonzo cleaning up. Your four core guys. You want to flip them around a little bit? Whatever. Justin Turner or J.D. Martinez batting fifth, protecting Alonzo. Marte batting sixth and right. Alvarez behind the plate, seven. Brett Beatty at third base, batting eighth. Maybe Mark Vientos a little bit. And then the Bader, DJ Stewart batting ninth. Is that lineup good enough? Do you look at that, Pete, and say, okay, that's not a bad lineup. Let's go. I have to be honest. No. <laughs> it's not. And that's with adding somebody. <laughs> Wait, so if your answer is no. Right. And that's under the premise that they are going to add a legitimate DH. Then what's the other bat they're supposed to add? Is it another outfielder when clearly I don't think they're adding one considering they already have five? Well, here's the problem, right? So I'm also basing it off of the numbers from last year. If you gave me the 2022 Mets, maybe I'd see a little bit different. Like obviously Francisco Alvarez wasn't there, but I'd think a bit I'd think of it different because uh, McNeil was a much different ball player. Marte was a much different ball player. So I look at those numbers and say, yeah, that's great. But last year they were so down. I can't look at those guys and really give them an honest ranking of, oh, this is good. This is enough. Cause you don't, you still don't know how good Mar- Marte is going to be. If he's going to be healthy the whole season is McNeil going to have another bad season. It's not, that's not good. And then Beatty just being a question mark. It, it, it's, it just, it's really not so it's not about the people that they add. It's about the people they've already had on the team. But I don't think you have a choice in that matter. I think that Jeff McNeil is the opening day second baseman for the New York Mets, and you have to have your fingers crossed that he's more of the batting title guy from 22, or the guy from the second half in 23, more so than first half 2023. Like, he's on the team. That's not changing. Starling Marte is on this team. You have to hope he's healthy and he's the guy from 21 and not 22. I don't think there's really a 22, not 23. That's just there. Like, those are the things that we kind of knew at the end of the season. Like, those are going to be some of the big questions going into next season. And there are a lot of variables to this lineup that change everything. I said this on the air, Evan and Tiki, 2 to 6.30 on the fan today or Thursday, depending on when you're listening, that Francisco Alvarez is in a lot of ways going to be the most important Met. Obviously, the pitching. We're not spending as much time talking about pitching on this edition of the Rico. We all know the deal with the rotation and the questions around it. But offensively, their most important question that needs to be answered is Francisco Alvarez. If he is the guy we think he can be, 
if he is the guy he showed signs of being and hits 38 home runs as a second-year player, the lineup is completely different. There is a dynamic aspect to this lineup that's very, very different. And that's the protection for Pete Alonso we've been waiting for. If he's hitting 210 and he's at, you know, nine home runs at the All-Star break, it's a different story. So in a lot of ways, Alvarez is so, so important. But in terms of what they've added, at the bare minimum, they have got to add the legitimate bat to be the DH. Or, you know, in Turner's case, we're playing semantics, the third baseman with Beatty DHing. They cannot go into the start of this season with this collection of offensive players. Because if you don't add J.D. Turner, I just gave you the lineup. Here's how things change now. Here's how things are different. All of a sudden, Harrison Bader is not platooning. He's playing every day. And all of a sudden, D.J. Stewart's platooning, maybe at D.H., with Mark Vientos. And Brett Beatty's playing third base every day. Maybe Joey Wendell or uh, Zach Short fill in for him. That's not good enough. The, the, there is, and now it gets into focus as we enter the month of January. They have to add that legitimate DH bat at the minimum. And right now, and sometimes this is what happens, like the bar changes, so your expectations get lower. And clearly this offseason has caused all of us to sort of lower our expectations. You, one bat. I would have said two bats about two weeks ago. I would have said three bats before that. Now I look at what's there. I look at the money they've spent and I say, just give me the one. And what's my preference between Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez and Jorge Soler? Dude, I got to tell you, at this point, it's just get me any of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'll be good with any of those three guys being added, but probably Justin Turner, if I'm being honest. I think my preference is him. Well, it's about the flexibility, and this yes. is why I think they missed out. And I know this is way too late now, but Mitch Garver, I think, was somebody who was actually so would have been a serviceable DH, but also could have played, you know, sparingly a catcher, sparingly at first base. I think that that was should have been the focus, especially now in baseball. You want to have somebody that's a little bit of a utility guy and or gives you flexibility and everything. Jorge Soler may still be that guy too. Now again. You have a surplus of, of outfield, as we just talked about. But if he's your quote unquote DH, but you could also put him out in, in left field here and there too, it's not the worst thing in the world. Joey Wendell being on the team, which you almost forget at times, makes you think that they don't need to get Justin Turner. Yeah. Well, how about Reese Hoskins, by the way? We always seem to leave him out, but I think it's part of it is that he just hasn't been linked to anybody. I think the latest I read was the Blue Jays, the Marlins, the Mariners, but, you know, he's one of those guys that's still sitting there. He does fit that DH mix, and in terms of versatility, he gives you another first baseman in case something happened to Pete. Well, not for nothing there, Mr. Uh, Red-haired, facial-haired guy right now who's looking very grisly. This may benefit Pete Alonzo a little bit because even though you and I love Pete Alonzo, we do, David Stearns is strictly, he really is going defense first. Now, Pete Alonso might not want to hear this, but he may eventually just be a DH on this team. And they may look into investing into a top first baseman or like a more defensive first baseman. So this might be where Pete Alonso just eventually will shift. And it's a, I think it's actually a good thing if, if David Stern starts to invest in bringing in another first baseman type of player. 
Yeah, but I think Hoskins would be more just it's one year. He's trying to bring up his value. I don't think it's a long-term play. I think it would be more just, hey, you know, kind of like what they've done here with a lot of one-year deals. Here's a guy that can help us win in the short term. If we fall out of it, we could trade him at the deadline. I don't think he would have any impact on the future of Pete. And like I've said this before about Pete, his defense has gotten better enough where, while he's not elite defensively and he's not wrapping up gold gloves, he has become more than acceptable defensively at first base. It's the least of my issues with this team. Now, right now, the issue with this, I mean, there's a few issues with this team, obviously, besides the pitching, which we haven't even talked about on this pod, is they have now set up this offseason into they have to add that one legitimate designated hitter or guy that fills the DH hole. And we've gone through a few of the candidates, Jorge Soler, Reese Hoskins I just brought up, Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez on a one-year deal. Soler won't sign a one-year deal. I bet you Soler is going to get like a two- or three-year deal. So it's a little bit different. And maybe that's why he won't be the guy they add. But they have to add that bat. Right now, this lineup is just not good enough. And that's where I looked at the Bader signing and went from, I like him, he's a good player, into letting it really sink in and realizing, crap, they're going to line him up as an everyday player, and he's not an everyday player. And that's kind of one of my concerns. Anyhow, a couple of emails from the RicoB at gmail.com concerning this move. Kenny Pendergast writes, big fan of the show, just so we signed Harrison Bader. Another move I like, but doesn't excite me. I'm curious if you think the Mets improving our outfield defense will help shield our pitching a little bit. Giving the dimensions of our ballpark, I think the rational credit in the run prevention department, but we shouldn't underestimate the value of a large ballpark with gold glove defense in the outfield. Yeah, and not only that, Kenny, the Mets have fly ball pitchers. They've got a handful of guys. I think Adrian Hauser certainly is one of them where they're going to give up fly ball. So to have guys that can run balls down in the gap is definitely a good thing. Like that is, I, I don't want you to think I'm ignoring that. I'm not. They, they are much better defensively in the outfield. And there's a value to that because last year they were a mess defensively. I'll tell you one thing though, internally that's going to have to change. Speaking of the defense is Starling Marte. Starling Marte went backwards in 2023. He had such a bad year all the way around. And obviously the offensive numbers jump out at you, but his defense in right field sucked. Like you talk about just going backwards. He went backwards defensively. So I wonder if he becomes a late inning defensive replacement. I mean, they have enough guys to do it between Tyrone Taylor and Harrison Bader. Ian Nolan writes, I heard you the other day or today on the fan with Tiki, and I agree with everything you said about Bader, except one thing. I think David Stearns does view Harrison Bader as an everyday player against all left-handed pitching and likely against a lot of right-handed pitching. Yeah, because that's what I was saying earlier, that Bader is a fourth outfielder. And if he's treated as such, great. If he's not, I'm concerned. With Ronnie Mauricio out, it seems like unless another outfielder is added, which seems unlikely as of now, the daily outfield will be Nimmo, Bader, and then one of the others in right field. Well, it's Starling Marte, Ian, if you think about it. Stearns has told us a few times he really values defense, and Bader provides that in spades, despite the poor at-bat or batting average versus right-handed pitching. 
I think you may be disappointed with the amount of at-bats he sees. Let's see. I am. No, I, I'm already there. And the other thing that you should be disappointed about, even if you disagree with me, is that he's going to probably get hurt because he's always hurt. So, I don't know if I convinced you, Hoff, of all of a sudden you turned or are you just mad at me now? Now, listen, I, I'm not turning. I, I understand the ups and downs of Harrison Bader, so I'm not going to waver. I still think when he plays, he is the best defensive center fielder uh, in baseball. And let me tell you something. I've always said this. He would have gone down as the best center fielder ever defensively in in pinstripes. But, so I'm happy to have him on the Mets. What the hell is that? Well, you got to be hyperbolic. He's going to be the, he would have been the greatest defensive center fielder in Yankee history. Like, what are you trying to say? You didn't see Mickey Mantle. You didn't see Joe DiBaggio. What do you, come on now. No, Don't but say I, will, stuff like I, that. I will, I will say this much. Uh, the highlight package I saw of Harrison Bader with the Cardinals, because they loved him in San Luis. If you look at those, I know we saw him in New York, but if you saw him, the highlight packages in San Luis, they were phenomenal. He's a it great like, – It's a Jim edmonds S type of Pete, player. Pete, he's wonderful defensively. <laughs> Thank you. He's, he's a wonderful defense. Like, I completely agree. I think it's one of the first things I said on the pod. He's unbelievable defensively. He's a great defensive outfielder. Uh, Big Mac, who does overnights with us, we were talking about Bader. I, did, I think this was even off air. And he says to me, Evan Bader moves in a way in the outfield like I've never seen. Like he moves diagonally, like it's not yes. even human, like he's an alien. And that's a great description. And that's great. Like he's he's a wonderful defensive player. I'm not questioning that. I'm just hey, dude, look at his numbers. He's a fourth outfielder. I've seen again, I'll go back to 2021. Look at his numbers in July and look at his numbers oh in September. God. And I know it's just two two months. But look at those numbers. Very impactful. What's the personal connection? Like, are you related or something? Oh, what's the personal connection? Oh, he played ELL baseball. He played my little league. That's where oh, he's right. So yeah. <laughs> he's just a little league baby. No, well, I, yeah, that's part of it. But he is—he's <laughs> a great defensive. Well, <laughs> you just went back to him be great defensively. <laughs> are you going to turn on him at some point? Like, if he's no. One for no. 30, will the, you come on the Rico and say, God, this guy stinks? No, there's nothing to turn on. The, he's exactly who I thought he was and is. So, Pete, is he, a, Pete, is he a fourth outfielder? Yes. Oh, okay. Right. So, you, you agree with me? All right. Good. I'm We're on the same on that, But he might play as a third, uh, you know, one of the top three. He might be just an everyday. Well, no, no, fielder. he is. He. That's the problem. <laughs> that the negative is... Dude, I I used this analogy on the air a few weeks ago, and I I think I touched on it earlier. Bob Ross was a painter. And Bob Ross, we all watched that show like 30 years ago. I used to watch it with my grandmother. Uh, Bob Ross would, you know, show us this painting and be like, what the hell is that? And then finally, by the end, it would all come together. Oh, man, that was the trees. Oh, man, that was the house. Like, it would all finally come together and make a lot of sense. The offseason in baseball is like that. It's so different than the other sports. It's not boom, 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 and then you fill in the pieces. In baseball, sometimes you fill in the pieces and then go get the bigger piece. So it's sort of backwards. So Harrison Bader as a signing, depending on how he's used, 
that's how you determine like, oh, that was a good move or that was a bad move. And so I am now concerned that when you sign a fourth outfielder to be an everyday outfielder, that's a problem. On a non-Harrison Bader note, Ed writes, do we really want to spend money on a bullpen? I'd love for them to get a guy or two, but how many times have we seen a pen arm be good one year and horrible another? Peak Aaron Loops after 2021. Yeah, Aaron Loop, man. He had the greatest year ever, and he stunk after that. I'd love for them to get another reliable arm like David Robertson, but I really think it's foolish to buy a bullpen. It literally almost never works. What are your thoughts? Ed, completely agree with you. And uh, here's the, the key to this. Buy a guy. So I have said in the past, the Mets need to add one more bullpen arm. And I don't mean, you know, a Jorge Lopez, who they added earlier, or an Austin Adams, or a Johan Ramirez, or a Michael Tonkin. Tonkin. I mean, someone you can say, hey, I, I can trust him. And I know there are very few relievers like that. And maybe David Robertson isn't a guy that you can trust. I totally get that. Because from year to year, even a guy like Robertson can be up and down. But I just look at this med bullpen and say, I would want one more guy who's got a more established MLB resume. Knowing, by the way, it could completely backfire because bullpens are like that. And so when I look at this bullpen right now, I see Edwin Diaz, Brooks Raleigh. Okay, I feel good about both of them. I feel decent about both of them. And then you've got this cavalcade of maybe you hit. Maybe Drew Smith gives you a final good year. Maybe Jorge Lopez finds himself from two years ago. Maybe Josh Walker as a lefty out of the bullpen pitch as well. Maybe Austin Adams. Like, I just want one more, hey, I feel good about that guy. And it doesn't have to be Josh Hader. I'm not talking crazy like that. So, but, but in general, I agree. I, I agree with you, Ed. I, I don't love the idea of just buying a bunch of bullpen arms. It'll turn out to be just a complete waste of money. Your thoughts on the Bader signing and what's next? Do you agree with me? They have to, at the minimum, add one of these DH bats. And which bat do you prefer? You can email us at thericob at gmail.com. Obviously, download the Rico Bronya wherever or subscribe to the Rico Bronya. Because I think if you subscribe, like the podcast just pff, like ends up right there in front of you as soon as we do it. So you're probably better off subscribing wherever you download your podcast, specifically the Odyssey app or Apple or wherever the hell you want to go. We'll have some more Ricos as time goes on, as the days go on, because we're back, man. It's 2024 and we're moving. This offseason is moving. And I have a feeling, Pete, we're going to get another move in the next four days. Another another move. What type of move do you think? What, what, what position? The starting, the starting pitcher. I'm, I'm just not... Sure who it's going to be. I, I, it's not going to be Jordan Montgomery. I've lost all confidence in that. It doesn't sound like they're going to be. Sh- it's going to be Shota Imanaga, whose posting date is less than a week away. Like the deadline is a week away. So it's probably going to be a guy on a one-year deal. I'm probably going to be blah about it. But I think we get the starting pitcher in the next four days. That's my prediction. Uh, probably going to be Ryu. Uh, but yeah. also, I know, I know, I know. Can I do a shameless plug here? Because tomorrow, someone that I've been cl- clamoring for is actually going to come to the studio. If you listen to this on Thursday night or Friday morning, uh, Trevor Bauer is going to be in studio with BT and Sal at 11 o'clock. And it's going to be very interesting because it sounds like he wants to be coming back to the major leagues. And I think that that's former Cy Young. I could see somebody 
he if he's changed, if he's if he is just focused on playing baseball, that guy could be an asset to any team in the major league, especially the Mets. I am very curious if a team it's I don't think it's gonna be the Mets or Yankees, by the way, as much as he may try. If there's going to be a major league team that's gonna say, you know what, I'm gonna bring him in. I wonder about that. Because the thing I wonder about with Trevor Bauer, besides it didn't seem like a lot of his teammates liked him. It's not even the one accusation that led to his suspension or the beginning of his suspension, because a lot of that has been proven to be false, was the fact that when Major League Baseball suspended him for that ungodly amount of time, they cited other stories and other women. And that's always been kind of in the shroud of mystery because we don't know. It's not like Major League Baseball came out and said, okay, here are the examples. It was just... Wow, we did an investigation, and it is so bad, we're suspending him for this ungodly amount of time, whatever it was, 240, 250 games. And that sounds like Major League Baseball never wants to see him again. And that leads me to think, will a Major League Baseball team ever want to see him again? So it'll be interesting, A, to see what Trevor Bauer has to say here on The Fan, 11 a.m. on Friday, but also, is anybody going to bite? It will not be the Mets or Yankees. I can promise you that. I mean, we, we could talk about it here, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of strong opinions, but I'm telling you right now, there's no way. There's no way the Mets are signing Trevor Bauer. I can promise you that. I can guarantee you that. Was that because of what he did to us a few years ago with the Dodgers, how he kind of basically, uh, I don't want to say sandbagged us, but left us high and dry? No. No, it's not even because of that. And this is pure speculation. I'm not, I don't have like an inside source telling me we're not signing Trevor Bauer. I think this organization was so embarrassed by some of the incidences over the last few years, some of which predated Steve Cohen, some of which was involved with Steve Cohen, not involved with Steve Cohen, but guys that Steve Cohen hired. I think that the Jared Porter situation was embarrassing. I think what came out about Mickey Calloway, again, predating Steve Cohen, was embarrassing. And I just don't think this organization right now, especially what they're doing, which is more about the future, they're not one player away. I don't think they would take the risk of signing someone who could embarrass them. He could. He may not. Maybe on his best behavior, there may not be any more skeletons to come out. But Major League Baseball suspended him for like 300 games. So they thought there was something there more than just that one story. So I would be stunned. I'm not going to bet you anything because then I'd feel too like, what if I lose? Well, then shave your beard if you lose. (laughs) No. How about that? (laughs) Loyalty to Pete Alonzo, baby. I ain't shaving it. Anyhow, thank you for listening and downloading. Again, the RicoBHemail.com if you want to interact. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.